0: Our scripture reading is Colossians three, twelve through 17. Colossians 3, beginning at verse 12, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which, indeed, you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God and whatever you do in word or deed do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him this is the word of the lord so we're taking a careful look at these christian character traits <clears throat> that paul is exhorting us to put on in colossians 3:12 through 15 The reason that I'm taking them few at a time is that if we go through them too quickly, they just pass in a blur, and all we get is a vague and general picture of the kind of people that God is calling us to be as people saved by his grace. While there is some overlap in the words that Paul uses here, each word and each phrase has something to contribute to the biblical description of Christian character that we are called to nurture. This evening we'll consider patience and bearing with one another. We're to seek to grow in these character traits because as believers we are part of the new humanity that God is creating as part of his great renewal of all Things which is rooted in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God is at work in his people, renewing them in his image and in the image of Christ, and that is something wonderful. The goal of growing to be more like Jesus is not presented as something burdensome or onerous, but as something wonderful and liberating. God is working in us through his Spirit, to make us more like Jesus Christ, but at the same time we are called to be active in this as well. God never treats us as robots, but his work in us makes us want to be what he is calling us to be, and his work in us also makes it possible for us to make the changes in our lives that make us more like Jesus. It takes effort On our part, but the effort is not hopeless because God is at work in us through His Spirit. And one of the great influences that the Holy Spirit uses to change us is the Word of God itself. God intends for the exhortations like the ones that we are looking at to make an impression upon us, to have a shaping influence. In our lives. It's by us dwelling upon thinking about these virtues that Paul is telling us to put on and doing that in the light of the whole gospel message that God helps us to indeed put them on. So this evening we dwell on what it means for us to be patient and what it means for us to bear with one another. The two are closely related to one another. There is overlap between them. <clears throat> but there's also something unique about each of them, and we'll consider them one at a time. So first, we will consider patience. Now, the kind of patience that Paul is talking about here is patience with people. It's also possible to be with, patient with circumstances, Which is more the idea of endurance, or we can, for instance, work patiently at a project. The idea of patience in general is broader than what Paul is focused on here. If you look at the other virtues in this list, in these verses, they all have to do with our relationships with one another. And so the patience that he is talking about here is patience with other people. The term that is most Often used to convey the idea uh, behind the word patience is the term <clears throat> slow to anger. And of course, human <clears throat> human patience with other people is rooted in God's patience with us. God is slow to anger with us. Key verse here is uh, Exodus 34:6, where God refers to himself as being slow to anger, and that term is used many more times in the Old Testament, to refer to God. The EIV always uses the term patience for this idea in the New Testament. So Romans 2.4 Romans speaks of, quote, the riches of God's kindness and forbearance and patience. So one of the key <clears throat> meanings of patience is slow to anger, and the perfect example, of course, is God's patience with us. Now, clearly that does not mean that God is never angry. There's a lot in the Bible about the wrath of God against sinful people. But he's slow to anger. He's patient with people. He gives people the opportunity to repent. 2 Peter 3.9 says that God is patient, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. <clears throat> so as God renews us in his image... He makes us more like himself also in this way. He makes us slower to become angry with other people. doesn't mean that we should never be angry. If certain things make God angry, they should make us angry as well. But it does mean that as we grow in Christian character, we will become slower to become angry. And when we do When we do get angry, it will be a righteous anger, like God's anger is always a righteous anger. Now, if we think about God's slowness to become angry, it gives us a number of insights as to why we should be slow to anger as well. One reason is that God is slow to anger with us. When we look at the idea of forgiveness, as we will next week, that uh, whole subject in the Bible, there's a lot there about the relationship between God forgiving us and us forgiving others. But that basic idea that is heard most often in connection with the idea of forgiveness applies to many of these other virtues as well. We love because God has loved us. One of the, so one of the motivations for patience on our part is God's patience with us. Obviously, there's a problem if we are not patient with others when God has been so patient with us. In Jesus' great parable of, in Matthew 19 of the man who was forgiven a huge debt and then was turned around and was not willing to forgive someone else a tiny little debt, the guy in that, in that parable, the guy who owed the little debt, he pleaded for patience Matthew 18, 29, So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. So that's a great motivation for us to be patient with others. We have to remember, we have to dwell on the fact that God has been so patient with us. When we think of all the things that we do and fail to do, and how God is so patient with us, When we think of how he does not lash out at us every time we do something that displeases him, that should help us when we are tempted to get angry with others. This is something then what we need to think about often and regularly, especially when we notice in ourselves getting, when we notice ourselves getting angry at other people in ways that are motivated by selfishness rather than love. Another insight from God's patience that can help us to be patient with others is the fact that God loves everyone in some sense, and he wants them to be blessed. Now, I know that love is God's love is complicated, and there are texts that speaks about God's hatred of the wicked. There's no question, though, though there is no question, that there is a sense in which God desires the salvation of all men. We've already seen from 2 Peter 3.9 that God is patient, not wishing that any should perish and that all should come to repentance. So we should be patient with people because we are to love them and wish for their salvation and wish for their true well-being in the light of the gospel. Much of the time, our anger with others is selfish. They've done something to displease us and our anger is destructive. It wants to hurt them. And God calls us to be more like him in that we are patient with people who tempt us to be angry because we love them and are more concerned about their well-being rather than how they irritate us or inconvenience us. Love, as we'll consider in another sermon, is about desiring and seeking the well-being of others. It's willing to give of ourselves in order to bless others. And in many situations, that will mean restraining our anger, because we want to reflect God's love and be a blessing to those very people who are causing us to be angry. Now, when it comes to many of the ways that other people might provoke us to anger, uh, patience requires that we just overlook them. In the church, we are to encourage one another to grow as Christians, but that does not mean that we are to intervene every time we see something in someone else that is sinful. If that were the case life together would be insufferable and there wouldn't be much togetherness. Thankfully, 1 Peter 4 tells us that love covers a multitude of sins, and Proverbs 19:11 says, "Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense." This principle covers most situations when it comes to exercising patience with other people. There is such a thing as righteous anger. There are situations which should lead us to lovingly and patiently confront a person who has angered us, but the focus of the Bible when it comes to human anger is mostly on controlling it or not being angry in the first place. And most of the time, the call to be slow to anger or to be patient has to do with covering a multitude of sins or overlooking an offense. The reality is that believers in Jesus are, be, are in the process of being changed to be more like Christ, but they, we all have a long way to go. And so we will notice sins and weaknesses in our fellow believers, and most of the time we are to show patience <clears throat> by overlooking those sins. Realizing that we are all sinful people who are all seeking to grow towards Christ-likeness but are not there yet. It would certainly not be conducive <clears throat> to growing in holiness if we were constantly confronting one another with every little sin. Now, there may be certain relationships, closer relationships like marriage or close friends... Where the parties are more involved, more intimately involved with helping each other grow by pointing out faults in love in a loving way. There are relationships where that is appropriate and helpful. But even then, the overlooking of faults will still need to be <clears throat> a significant part of the relationship. So, one of the ways then to think about <clears throat> patience is through reflecting on how God is slow to anger and how that concept applies to us. There's such a thing as righteous anger for human beings, but the focus on the Bible when it comes to anger for humans is that it's hard for humans to do that right. And the bulk of our efforts when it comes to patience is learning to be slow to anger not or not to be angry at all. Now, we still need to think about the idea of patience as being slow to anger, when the anger is not because of other people's sins, so that's what we've been covering so far, other people's sins causing angry, but now, not sin, but just because they irritate us. Irritation is is low-grade anger. So it fits here under being slow to anger. And much of the time when we are irritated with people, it's not because of their sins, just because they have a different opinion about something than we do, or something about them just bugs us. They rub us the wrong way. God has made us all different. And one of the reasons we, may, we need patience is because those differences do not always fit together smoothly. Christopher Wright has written a, on patience in his book called uh, Cultivating the Fruit of the Spirit, and he discusses <clears throat> this idea of patience with each other because we're all different. He says that we need patience, quote, simply because people are what they are, all different. <clears throat> we have <clears throat> different personalities, preferences, different likes and dislikes, different visions and ambitions. And just because we are Christians doesn't make those things blend into a nice warm fudge. I like that sentence. Just because we are Christians doesn't make those things blend into a nice warm warm fudge. He continues, how easily we get annoyed and upset with each other. We need so much patience to put up with all the people that God has brought together in the church. And then he quotes what he calls <clears throat> a silly little poem to illustrate his point. And the poem goes, it's just one, one uh, stanza of a little poem. And that is, to dwell in love with saints above, oh that will be glory but to dwell below with saints we know, ah, that's a different story. Ah, that, that poem is kind of cute, but it's also interesting in light of the, the context in which Paul is exhorting us to put on uh, these virtues. Uh, we have seen that Paul is exhorting us to put on these virtues in the light of the fact that we already now belong to what the poem would say, to dwell in love with saints above. We already participate in that now by being part of the new humanity that God is renewing in his image. What that means, that what Paul is, uh, is calling us to do is to live now the life that we will live in perfection when God is finished renewing us. It's true that living with each other now is a different story, but what Paul in our text is calling us to is to strive to be as close as we can to what we will be like in glory, to strive for that in the here and now. One of the key ideas of the significance of the Christian life in the New Testament is that we are already now living the life of the new creation. We already now have eternal eternal life. We already now are resurrected with Christ in that we share his life. We are already now new creations. And so we are to look at our lives as Christians as reaching toward the life that we are beginning to experience, but will experience in perfection when Jesus returns. And while we will not accomplish that perfectly in this life, we are being called to demonstrate before the world what the life of the age to come looks like, already now in the here and now. When people look at the church, they should get a glimpse of what it means for the saints above to dwell in love. And part of what that means is training ourselves to be slow to anger, to be slow to become annoyed and irritated by people who think differently than we do or who have something about them that does not endear them to us. Some people we are naturally attracted to, others not so much. And patience is necessary for the others. So, so far we've looked at patience in terms of being slow to anger. There's another way of thinking about patience, that, and that it is a form of long-suffering. In the articles that deal with the various ways in which the Greek word for patience is, is used in the Bible and in the culture of the time, the word long-suffering is often used, and that comes very close to the next term, In our text, bearing with one another. If we think about these terms, we see we're still talking about patience, but now the idea that's in the foreground is not being slow to anger, but being willing to suffer. In our relationships with others, being willing to bear with the things about them that irritate us. Now, the idea of long-suffering in relationships, I must make that very clear, does not mean that we must just take any sin committed against us. Patience as long-suffering does not mean that a wife or a child should just take it if they are being abused by a husband or father, for instance. If someone is sinning against us, and we are to call them to repentance. And if repentance does not happen, we are to get others involved. So when we're speaking about long-suffering, we're not speaking about just taking abuse when others have seriously sinned against us. But when it comes to the multitude of sins that Peter talks about and tells us to cover, or the faults that proverb tells us to overlook, or the things about other people that are not just sinful but irritate us, patience means that we are to suffer those lesser sins or irritations in order to live together in harmony and love. For the most part, this is low-grade suffering, but it is a form of suffering for the glory of God and the unity of the church. Bearing with one another is a closely related idea. According to one commentator, the Greek word that is translated bearing with has the sense of endure, bear with, tolerate. And then he sums up put up with, catches the sense of an acceptance requiring an effort of will. Isn't that a cool phrase? Acceptance requiring an effort of will because the actions or attitudes in question are immature and tiresome. We are to endure a little suffering. We are to bear with the things about one another that are hard to take for the sake of the goal that God is moving us Towards. The goal of living together in harmony and love in the here and now means being willing to suffer in the cause of loving people who are sometimes a pain. Suffering is a very big deal in the Christian life and in God's way of salvation. <clears throat> this is not the most severe suffering that we are talking about here But it is certainly part of the picture. Pursuing God's glorious goal of love and unity among his people means being willing to bear the pain of loving people whom we are not inclined to love. That's that's what Jesus did with his disciples. He had marvelous patience with them. They were pretty slow to understand what he was teaching them. At one point in the story where he had come down from the Mount of Transfiguration, remember, and the disciples were not, had not been able to heal that demon-possessed boy, Jesus said to them, how long am I to bear with you? Jesus had to bear with his disciples. They tested his patience, And that picture gives us a pretty good illustration of what it means to to bear with one another. Now, this makes it sound like the church is full of unlikable people. And that is not really true either, is it? God is is at work in his people. And so by grace... We are not as unlikable as we otherwise might be. I think most of us, for most of us, the experience of being part of the church is not all bad and, in fact, pretty positive. Church is far from perfect, but there is evidence of God's grace, and so there is a lot of gracious dealing with one another. It's not biblical to focus only on the negative and ignore what God has been doing in our life together As a church, it's a blessing to belong to the body of Christ and to receive God's blessings to us through the love of other people. But there's enough of what I'm talking about so that you know what I am talking about. I don't think anybody is here tonight sitting through what I was describing and wondering, what is he talking about? I suspect that most of you were thinking about a specific person or people. So while it is good and right to acknowledge the goodness of the love and unity that God is working in and among us, we're not yet to the point where patience and bearing with one another are no longer necessary. We have a special need of these virtues during this time of pandemic. It's rather fascinating how pretty much every single church has people in it who take the precautions about spreading the virus more seriously and have those who take the precautions for spreading the virus less seriously There are different interpretations of how Romans 13 applies to the situation and how the call to obey God rather than man applies to the situation. And those differences are irritating. And so we have a heightened need to put on patience and bearing with one another in the light of these differences. There is leeway in how to apply the relevant passages of God's word to the situation, that there is no leeway when it comes to patience and with bearing with one another in love. The call to be patient with each other, to bear one another in love, is clear and unambiguous. We are to be slow to anger, We are to cover a multitude of sins, we are to overlook faults, we are to bear the pain of loving those who think and act differently than we do, and part of the suffering of the Christian life has to do with dying to self and exercising patience and bearing with one another are some of the ways that we die to self and live for Christ. I want to talk a little bit about how we grow in patience and bearing with one another. I've been talking about this all the way through these sermons. Beforehand, the first part of Colossians had a lot about that. During the sermons, about putting on the Christian virtues that Paul is exhorting us to do here. We have seen uh, many times that this call to put on compassionate hearts and kindness and humility and meekness, patience and bearing with one another, how that all belongs to the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. These are the things that we are saved to do. Putting on these virtues is part of what salvation means. We are called to do it as those who are forgiven of all our sins through faith in Jesus and as those in whom God is working through his spirit to renew us after his image. What Paul is calling us to do here is hard, but it is not burdensome or onerous. But it is something that we are called to do. God is at work in us, and we can do nothing without him, but at the same time we are called to do what he is calling us to to do, and Paul here is calling us to put these virtues on. How do we do that? What we're talking about here is growing toward maturity in Christian character. Back in chapter 1, verse 28, Paul had had written, in him, or him rather, Christ, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So we're talking about growing toward maturity in Christ, and that is about growing toward a mature Christian character. Character is about the kind of people we are. And we reflect our character by what we habitually do. As we grow in maturity or a Christ-like character, these character traits become more natural for us because they increasingly define the kind of people we are. It's a process. It's a lifelong process. But it has to do with things like habits and training and activities that form our character. Think of the well-known proverb about the training of children. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's about character formation, training. This is what we are called to do as parents, to form Christian character in our children by training them. That applies to us as adults as well. Certainly parents should be training their children in these Christian character traits. <clears throat> but we continue to need to train ourselves when we are adults. Paul uses the same type of language a number of times in his letters. One example is First Timothy 4.7, where he tells Timothy... Train yourself for godliness. So training. Training is about practice. Training is about repetition. Training is about the formation of habits. Training takes time. It is slow and gradual. But amazing things are possible for people who discipline themselves to train diligently is think of musical skills or athletic skills of people, what, what, what people are able to master amazing things through training. Well, That's another perspective on how to grow these, these character traits. We're taking enough time to, to think about them so we'll have a clear understanding of what they are and so that we'll see, hopefully, the beauty of them. And the gospel message bristles with motivations and encouragements to put them on. We know that our efforts are not in vain because God is at work in us, renewing us in His image. And so the way to grow further is training, deliberate, repetitive practice that forms habits that make up our character. Practicing. Patience and bearing with one another again and again and again. Thinking about the goal and how we can make progress. Thinking about times when we didn't quite nail it and figuring how to do better next time. And Keeping at it day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. This kind of effort is not a denial of the gospel. It is the fruit of the gospel. To put on the virtues that Paul is urging us to put on here, we need to do the training without which progress is impossible. Let's pray. Our great God and our Savior, the one who is at work in us, renewing us into the image of Christ. <clears throat> we do thank you for the degree to which you have accomplished that in our lives, for progress that has been made. We do thank you that we, when we read, and meditate on these various virtues that we are to put on that they are something held out before us as something that is beautiful that is a blessing to to be able to put on and that it is the kind of life that we are heading toward as your people Lord, as we have seen, it takes both your work in us and our work in putting them on. And you never work in us in such a way that our effort is not involved. And so we pray that you'd help us to just think about our lives and these virtues and the concept of training. And we pray, Lord, that just through meditating on this passage, in the light of this whole book and your whole word, that our desire to grow in these areas may grow. That we may see each of these character traits as something that is beautiful because it's like you. Because it's like Jesus and that we may long to grow in these areas and so be willing to do the hard work, the disciplined work, the practice, the repetition, whatever it takes, so that we will grow in, in patience and in being willing to suffer for the good of the body and for our relationships with people who are a challenge for us to love. We thank you for what you have done. We thank you that in spite of the reality of the sins that we struggle with, that there is so much that you have already done, and we experience many blessings because of that from each other. We pray that that just may continue and grow to your glory, to the coming of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.